0: This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder.
1: Hello, I'm Ann Harder. Welcome to Central Texas Living, the podcast. It is a joy today to welcome Waco's new police chief, Dr. Cheryl Victorian, to the podcast. It is wonderful to have you
0: here with us.
1: Um, Now,
0: you served with the Houston Police Department for 28 years. Yes, ma'am. I was there for 28 years, um, had a great career. Um, started off as a patrol officer and worked my way up to assistant chief where I was uh, retired to become, to come here. Did you ever dream you'd be in Waco? <laughs> I mean, I, what was it about Waco? I never <laughs> dreamed I would be in Waco, <laughs> but, you know, I should have known that I was being prepared. I had a meeting here back in uh, 2019, the summer of 2019, and it was the Texas Police Chiefs Association's Women's Leadership Board that we had um, just come up with, and so everybody was located across Texas. So Waco was central. So we met in Waco, beautiful town. My sisters traveled with me. Uh, they got to see the city while I was in a meeting and hadn't been back since. And then got a call about this opportunity from one of our former union presidents in Houston, and he said that he had gotten a call and they told him that they were looking for a police chief. Told him what they were looking for, and he says that I was the first person that he, that he thought of. And he was like, have you even been looking for chief jobs? And I was like, no, not yet, <laughs> you know. And so he said, well, I told him that I would call you. I planted the see The rest is up to you.
1: Well, so March 15th, you were sworn in. Yes. And um, what has surprised you the most about, about Waco?
0: You know, I really haven't had a lot of surprises because I didn't come with um, too many expectations because I didn't know what to expect. But I tell you, I have received so much love and support from this community, from our officers and our team and our leadership across the city. That has been absolutely amazing. Uh, I I have no family here. I had no friends here. And my, my siblings were really concerned. They were like, you're going there by yourself and within a couple of visits and when they saw how everyone around the city was were embracing me they were like you're gonna be fine (laughs) and and (laughs) i have been absolutely fine ever since
1: well i I know the faith community just recently had a had a wonderful thing
0: um a prayer gathering of pastors tell me about that yes so uh pastor john durham at highland um emailed and he was like hey we get a group of pastors together um, like every quarter or so, and um, we want to get together. and We want to highlight you and pray for you as the new police chief of our city. And, and uh, as I said before, I thought maybe, you know, 20, 30 pastors get together and pray. And, you know, I introduce myself and tell them a little bit about who I am. Um, and it it ventured into like 170 pastors, some of their wives and their representatives from the police department. And it was just an absolutely phenomenal day on a Monday just having church because <laughs> they had praise and worship and everything. So it was a great feeling. And uh, I'm just so grateful that Pastor John and his his uh, congregation allowed that to happen.
1: Well, it's a great way to start off yeah. uh, what I hope will be a very long tenure yeah, yeah. in Waco. You are also a woman of faith. So, That's you mean. know, what, what did that mean to you to have uh, that?
0: It, it meant the world to me. Yeah. And I was, as soon as I saw that email, I knew that it was exactly um, what I needed Uh, And I I don't know if you've heard this story, but the entire time that I was going through the process to become chief of police, um, my prayer was, Lord, I only want this job if it's your will. If it's not your will, I don't want it because I I, I realized that, (laughs) you know, if you're in it, then you're going to take care of me. And and he has been faithful. So um, it meant the world to me to know that I had people standing for me, standing in a gap, interceding on my behalf, people who had been praying for me that I didn't even know were praying for me. So it just means the world to me to have that support from strangers and people who've only read about me, you know, and to just lift me up in prayer.
1: Mm-hmm. That Well, that confirmation. Yes. You know, yes. that's like, yeah, this is this is right. Well, right. I had the chance to meet you at uh, a Thing, through the Great Waco Chamber of Commerce, the Leading Waco Women. Uh, and you were one of our amazing panelists. And um, it was just such a delight to hear you talk about empowerment because that was, that was what the focus was, uh, leadership and mentoring or the other spokes of this uh, three-legged stool <laughs> that is the Leading Waco Women series. Um, so let's talk about the story that you shared with us and that was how you kind of got into law enforcement. what 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 led you to uh,
0: to this wonderful career? So initially, I was deathly afraid of police officers. Oh were you? I was absolutely afraid of police officers. Um, and my it's not that my family had any negative interactions with the police. For some reason, I was just afraid there was a constable who used to work at a shopping center at a, at a store a grocery store in the neighborhood. And my mom would just take me up to, to try to shake his hand, and I would literally at four or five fall out on the ground, embarrass her, <laughs> crying. Oh no! I, don't I was kind of like Santa hand. Claus, like yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. It was right? that same it's, kind of thing, yes. But and so uh, I would just embarrass her. God bless her. And uh, <laughs> and so um, and then after that, I had a neighbor who was just a mischievous kid. He was a little older than I. We're gone on vacation. I came back from vacation, and we lived at like a little T intersection on the corner. And uh, he came by the the Houston Police Department's flight path for their helicopters used to fly directly over my mom's house. And so every hour or so, you'd see a helicopter. And so he says, hey, um, the helicopter landed on the street. And they were looking for you. They asked um, for Cheryl. And they asked if she was a Taurus. And then I, I should have gave it away. But I was a kid. I didn't know That's police right. officers didn't ask for your sign. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> no. So every time when my my friends and I were outside playing, every time that helicopter would pass over, I'd order them to go hide. Go hide. Go hide because I thought they were looking for me, so uh, after a couple but you of years, hadn't done anything I wrong, had done anything. <laughs> I hadn't done anything, and so um, uh. The fact that, you know, they knew I was a Taurus, that was a big deal. I don't, know, a, oh. I don't know why, but it was a big deal. Um, uh, I lost my dad. I was nine years old. My dad mm-hmm. had a massive heart attack at 42. Oh, and, sorry. Um, Thank you. And and so we were um, burying him. We were escorted, being escorted out of the city of Houston to go to the country to have his services and to bury him. And I guess with my little nine-year-old mind, you know, just to kind of take focus off of what was really happening— I I honed in on the motorcycle officers, the escort officers, and the way that they, uh, you know, showed compassion to my family and I as we exited out of the building, and then the amount of respect that they got from the community as they led us outside of, you know, the city limits and people pulling over and just, and I just focused on them, and I was like, you know, those are are good guys, and... um, you know, through the years, I, my, my mind started changing about policing. And then all of a sudden Miami Vice, uh, came on <laughs> Miami Vice, Miami Vice right. came on, you know, and <laughs> Ricardo and Tubbs and the undercover and, you know, the glamour of it all. And I was sold. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So one of my, um, uh high school classmate she's uh, a vice mayor pro tem in houston now and she says um yeah you always wanted to be the police because you would come to school dressed like uh ricardo and Tubbs. you'd have on your jeans you'd have on your blazer you always thought you were the police (laughs) and so (laughs) so, and it it happened so i went to college got my (laughs) degree and uh, was passionate about going into the field and uh started my career as a houston police officer in 1993
1: yeah, your education though quite <clears throat> impressive, and and uh, in fact have a terminal degree as they say, a PhD yes. from Texas Southern University and okay. administration administration justice, of justice. Of justice. Yeah. Um, why did you feel the need to to get
0: a doctorate? So, uh, when I was an undergrad at Texas Southern University, um, I was just really passionate about going into the field of law enforcement. Um, we had a lot of theoretical things thrown at us, not a lot of practical experience from those teaching, you know, the courses. And um, I, I always liked teaching, and I was like, you know, I, I think I can stand in front of the room and do this, but I'm going to be a police officer first. right? So I always wanted to bring that practical experience and that theoretical um, uh, knowledge to the table and in front of the classroom. Um, and to, you know, just be able to bring real-life things to our students uh, because I was just a I was a disappointed in, uh, you know, what I was seeing and what I was hearing. But I had that passion, and I knew this was what I wanted to do, so I completed the program and uh, went on and earned my master's degree from the University of Houston downtown. And uh, when I got the opportunity to go back to school, when Texas Southern University was offering uh, a Ph.D. in administration of justice, I looked into it and just felt like that was my opportunity and took advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, it also helped, too, with promotional exams. Uh, the more education you have when you're promoting the you know, you get an extra point for each degree. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a very competitive process in Houston. So for the commander's exam, that added three points to my final score, which dropped me ahead six persons. I'll bet it uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll bet it did.
1: Yeah. I, I just can't imagine there would be a lot of PhDs <laughs> no. on, the, on the police force, but... Mm-hmm. It is it is an honor to have to have you here in Waco for yes. sure. Um, when we were talking on the panel and uh, we were hearing from the women, different walks of life, different experiences, different businesses that they were in, uh, but kind of the focus being empowerment. And I and I think one of the the things was you know when did you not feel empowered and and how did you overcome that, and then how do you help your fellow you know colleagues and subordinates in this case,
0: feel empowered? Um, When have I not felt empowered? Um, hmm. I would say that when, and I know that many people have heard of the imposter syndrome, right? So when you're around the table and you don't feel like you have the knowledge to be around the table, Um, or to contribute to the conversation or the decisions that are being made. Um, That has been a time where I felt less empowered. But with that, I I would leave from those situations and empower myself and and talk to other women about um, how I felt and then learning that the imposter syndrome was a thing. And that there was no reason why I should feel that way, particularly being a female in a male dominated profession. Mm -hmm. Uh, Females only make up 12% of the total number of police officers across this country. And then, as far as chiefs or sheriffs, we only make up 3%. And then, African Americans make up, African American females make up, I'm sure, less than half of 1%. Um, So I had to equip myself and better equip myself to feel confident that I belong around that table, that I had stuff to contribute Um, and to bring others up. I tell them that story um, and let them know that everything that they need is inside of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, What do you think needs your immediate attention here in, in Waco in this department?
0: So what I've seen so far is this increase, not that this was not happening in Houston, um, but there has been an increase in the number of violent crimes that we have have had perpetrated by youth uh, and young people. And it's extremely frightening um, for a city this size and for young people to be involved in the types of crimes, uh, you know, murders aggravated assaults deadly conduct incidents involving weapons so um, that is one of my primary focuses uh, right now I I had a conversation yesterday um, with uh, the director of GL Wiley and um, um, and he had his his staff on the phone and we were trying to come up let's let's brainstorm let's come up with some ideas on how we can best address this population and you know, use some prevention and intervention strategies to reduce the number of incidents that we're having with our young people.
1: I guess we've all, you know, always been concerned about gangs. Gang issues, um, as bad as, you know, they've been, or this is just random kids just more violent?
0: Um, And, and, you know, when I talk to my team and talk to my staff, you know, they say that this is something that has been happening. Yeah, sure. Um. So, but the fact that you know, again, this is the city of Waco. It's it's a smaller city. It uh, there seems to be increases. It may have been spread out, but to me, in a short period of time you know, burying young people and knowing that there were other young people who committed those crimes is very disturbing. And I know it's not just disturbing to me uh, as a police chief, but as a resident of the city of Waco. Right. Um, and so it's got to be a concern to our residents as well. So it's just something that's at that time on our, our list to try to come up with some prevention and intervention strategies um, to reduce this number of incidents.
1: So, so what kinds of things are there what kinds of interventions are you envisioning?
0: So, um, like I said yesterday, uh, our uh, conversation with Mr. Larry and his team, we um, were talking about um, having workshops and the police being involved mm-hmm. in some of those workshops at their school and talking to these kids. and And it's it's really a community approach. It's going to take. It's it's not a police. Once it becomes a police issue, usually the crime is already. Be- been committed right but we want to show on the front end that we care about their individual well-being their future uh, their hopes and their dreams um, before they get into they have any problems so if we can be involved in some of these workshops um, where it's anger management bullying um, just developing social skills um, just as a community then I think that that will be helpful and Another thing that I would like to see is for us to find organizations that can help parents with parental issues you know with kids that they that may have gotten out of control how do we get a hold of that or how do we identify this before it becomes a problem um, so those are the, a few of the things that we discussed um, and hopefully we'll get some other people on board and start growing this idea and be able to implement something in the fall
1: okay so you're shooting for. For yes. the fall, get, get, and of course, the summer, summer months, you know, yeah. can be uh, idle hands and all that sort of thing. Um, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, want to uh, get a little bit more from you about uh, some of your goals for the Waco Police Department and uh, talk about you being a playwright. Oh, so yes. we'll be right back.
0: What's up, y'all? It's Jasmine with the New Black Collective.
1: And what's up? It's Dave Yard from Change Waco.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to Stories of the Streets, where we'll be here every other week bringing you expert stories and also stories from local Wacoans.
1: Stories of the Streets in association with the New Black Collective, Change Waco, and Rogue Media. Tell your friends, tell your family. Shout out to the streets. Tune in as much as y'all can. And we're happy to be back with uh, Dr. Chief, <laughs> Dr. Chief, <laughs> Cheryl Victorian, who is the new Waco Police Chief. And uh, it's a delight to have you here with us to uh, to share some of your thoughts about policing. And um, law enforcement is under attack. I mean, and for me, that's one of the most horrifying things that I've seen where police officers are ambushed. Uh, they can be seemingly berated by people. I mean, it's... Just your thoughts on on where we are right now, and are you seeing this same kind of attitude in Waco, or maybe is it a little bit better? I don't know.
0: Waco has been absolutely phenomenal to, to our law enforcement community. Do we have some uh, communities that uh, still mistrust the police? Absolutely. And one of my primary priorities is to increase the number of positive interactions that we're having with our communities um, because – when you see the police, most times it's because something devastating has happened. You've been victimized or somebody has been hurt. Um, or so, maybe you were driving with a lead foot. Oh, you were driving with a <laughs> lead foot. those lights? see those, light, see those lights. <laughs> and, and so one of our priorities is to make sure that we increase the number of positive interactions yeah. that we have with our community. But the, the community of Waco so far has been um very supportive of the police even before I got here and would ride around and send it see the thin blue line flags of people you know in houses where there were not police officers uh I knew that we had that support and that was one of the things that when I was doing my research on the city uh just as you know the leadership in this city was being intentional about who they wanted I wanted to make sure this was a place that I wanted to be so I started calling strangers I got one stranger on the phone and he, you know, that person connected me with somebody else. And I talked to nine or 10 people before I got here that didn't even know me, but were willing to talk to me about this city Mm. and the police department. And I was very encouraged by what I heard. Really? Um, That's mm -hmm. good. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so um, that's that's not something that I have seen in the city of Waco. Do we have, you know, offenders or people that we're trying to arrest who may make statements or. Uh, behave a certain way, yes. But overwhelm the overwhelming majority um, of our citizens um, treat us with, with respect and um, allow us to do the job that, you know, we have taken an oath to do. Um, but yes, across the country we have seen um, many, many issues yeah. uh, with um, citizens mistrusting and delegitimizing what many of us have taken an oath to do. And um, it's it's disturbing, but I think that it's an opportunity. Uh, I Many people look at it as a challenge. I think it's an opportunity. I was absolutely appalled um, uh, with the murder of George Floyd. I, sure. I saw that the, the day after it happened, and when I'm watching this video, I'm telling myself, this is not happening. When was this? This is not just—and yeah. when I found out um, you know, that it was actually something that had just happened the day before— Um, As an African-American female uh, and a police officer, I I cried because I knew exactly what that one incident was about to do to this country, and it did it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then four days later, three days later, oh, no, it was two days later because this was a Tuesday on that Thursday night. um, I watched TV and then watched a police station being burned down and cried again. I mean, it just broke my heart. Um, and, but I knew that we had a lot of work that all the work that we thought we were doing to improve our relationships, we had just been set back. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, once we got through the protests and everything in Houston and we started, you know, trying to get back to where we were and developing these relationships, having those tough, tough conversations with our youth and, you know, a lot of our college age students about what they saw, what they perceived the police to be, um, doing a little perspective taking, um, I actually was uh, instrumental in helping to develop a class in Houston called Building Trust from Trauma, where we're teaching our police officers about the historical traumas of policing and some of the roles that we had played um, in creating the mistrust. And so I have to explain to officers, hey, uh, when people... Um, are are treating you a certain way or disrespecting you it's not you the individual it's this it's what we represent right and so a lot of people this we have this generations of historical mistrust because of the civil rights movement because you know of enforcing Jim Crow laws because of things you know that have happened in the past right. and it, we make it sound like it's been so long ago but these people you know there are generations that are still with us who have are teaching their kids that this stuff happened and you don't trust the police. So we have to change that perspective. And in order to do that, we have to increase the number of positive interactions we have. We have to humanize this badge um, and let people see that this is a profession for us, but we do still have hearts where we treat people the way we want to be treated. um, And um, that our primary responsibility is public safety, getting a bad guy off the street and uh, making sure we're protecting the citizens. And you want to go home safely and to it, your family.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, <laughs> staffing. What are, do you have all the tools you need? What are What are your thoughts about? Um, you know, we hear about some communities wanting to defund their police departments. Uh, horrors. Right. Um, so, yeah, how, how are things? Uh, As far as body cams, the equipment, you know, all the things that you need for the tools. How how
0: is that here? So the Waco Police Department has done an exceptional job with the tools uh, needed to perform our responsibilities. Can we use extra cops?
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Um, Are there places, you know, where we can see improvements if we had other police officers on the streets? Absolutely. And that's something that I'm currently... Currently working with our city manager's office and um, city council with to see how we can best use um, any officers that they allow us to have to make sure that we are fulfilling the mission of our police department and of policing.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. And I know there's a, a new crop of young cadets going to be graduating soon from uh, MCC. In fact, yes. two of them, Manny and uh, Abraham Escada, uh, had worked at uh, KXXV Oh,
0: wow. and
1: uh, IT really talented IT guys in the engineering and. They said, we both want to be police officers. And I think they've gone through the program together. And I have been invited to come to the On graduation. 22nd, yes. i the
0: keynote speaker. At, um, I, well, I'm, plan- I'm planning <laughs> yeah, to I'll be there. I told
1: them, I said, I will definitely try to be there oh, because uh, I'm proud of them and know what uh, wonderful assets they will be as well to whatever police department yes. they end up going to. Um, no, so funny. there are some fine people, obviously, yes. that want to go into law enforcement. Um you're also a playwright, though. <laughs> I mean, I talk am. about, and now for something completely different. <laughs> How,
0: tell me about that aspect of your life. So I am not a trained or a <laughs> learned uh, writer. I just loved writing. As a kid, I was writing plays and probably talking about some topics that I probably shouldn't have been talking about at the time. You know, you know, relationships and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I... I when I became a member of the church that I was at for thirty two years, um, one of the young ladies who I grew up with used to we used to read and exchange plays, um, told the pastor's wife that, Hey, you know, Cheryl writes plays because they were looking to do a Christmas play. Sure, yeah. and so she handed me a play and she was like, Hey, write this and make it make it fit our community, our church. I was like, OK, the pressure's on and, and I did. And from that point forward, Christmas, Easter, um, any kind of skits we need, any oh, women's neat. ministry plays, uh, I was I was the one that they went to to write the plays. And so I had the opportunity to write a play based on the series, the Left Behind series called Left oh. Back. Yeah. And um, (laughs) so we put out a um, audition notice throughout the city of Houston. We had so many young people show up, audition for the play. Um, We had people volunteering, a couple of dance scenes, some professional dancers came and choreographed the scenes. And um, we put that play on at the Wortham Theater in in downtown Houston. Over the course of two days, it was absolutely phenomenal. And then there's another one that I really love called The Wisdom of God's Women, where I've taken um, 27... To thirty, I can't remember which number it is of uh, the women uh, in the Bible, and we and they would either do a monologue or a dialogue. Like mm-hmm. Eve would go out and she tell her story, mm-hmm. and then at the end she'll apply a life lesson to how it's impactful. Her story is impactful to today, and then Naomi and Ruth did a dialogue telling their story, and then at the end, of course, they would do a life lesson. So uh, I did that what It's about twenty. I there are at least twenty seven that I've done. Wow! And, uh, yes, ma'am. And so what um, a I'm great way to kind through. of bring
1: scriptures to life. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. and it has and it has, you know, it, more impact because then folks can really identify yeah. with, uh, with those characters that they they see acted out. That's yes. that is amazing. So, That's just wonderful.
0: Looking forward to getting back to writing <laughs> and spending some time and maybe doing one about the men of the Bible. So mm-hmm. very, very so,
1: good. Yes. Well. I like to end these visits with a questionnaire, It's similar to the one the late great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actor's Studio. And so <laughs> you're looking, like, I'm be puzzled, but it's very, it's very easy. Okay. What is your favorite word?
0: My favorite word. One that I use frequently. I don't. I guess, yeah, uh, my, sure. my favorite word, um, it would, I would say it would be, co- it's compassion. Yeah, um, I can see that. I, I, I would say it, it's compassion. What is your least favorite word? Oh, um, can't. Mm-hmm. Can't. Yeah,
1: I hear that a lot mm-hmm. from my guests. Uh, what turns you on
0: creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? anything really to be honest I could be watching a puppy video <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> and I can get emotional and then it's not just me I would share it with my family look at this how cute, <laughs> how cute is yesterday this? on Facebook I saw two kids embrace they couldn't have been two years old and uh, I, I had to share that I mean it's just the simple things when we're caring about others and mm-hmm. uh, yeah so yeah
1: well what turns you off then spiritually or creatively um, or emotionally
0: I would say uh, negativity and people who aren't negative are bringing um, bad vibes into a room of uh, optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, so. mm-hmm. What sound do you love the most? The ocean. Okay, what sound do you not like? Oh, mosquitoes buzzing <laughs> in my ear. Yeah, that was an easy one.
1: <laughs> Coming from Houston, uh, guess what? Mm, they're just as bad yes, here as they yes. are in Houston. <laughs> All right, what other profession would you have liked to try?
0: Oh, if I were not
1: a police officer, uh, I, I'd teach. I would teach. Yeah, yes. I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Do you know what you would not ever want to do?
0: Um, professionally, what would I not I'd look at somebody and go, I don't want to do that. I'm glad you're doing it, I don't want to do it. Okay. That's you and not me.
1: Uh, I, <laughs> See, a lot of people say teacher. <laughs> that's
0: not, I, okay, when I say that, let me clarify that. I will, At the college level, <laughs> okay. I, oh, I admire teachers. <laughs> um, I would say, okay, I'm not a gardener. Oh, really? No, I'm not the type of person to be outside. All right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Finally,
1: what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Girl, you did that. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Well done. Oh well, this has been a delight. Thank you yes, so ma'am. much, Chief Cheryl Victorian of the Waco Police Department. I hope we can visit again soon. Yes, ma'am. Sometime. Thank you. So All much the for best me. and blessings on your work. It's it's seems like it's got, gotten off to a really good start. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me.